Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. I feel I've always done my best and always been at my best. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast. A podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. Former ex professional, currently youth development phase lead coach at Peterborough United, Ryan Semple. Good evening, Ryan. How you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on, Yaz. I hope you, you, you're well too. I'm looking forward to the next hour or so, having a, a good chat about football, all things football, player Brilliant. development. Brilliant. Well, I'm not going to waste any time. We'll get straight into it. Obviously, an ex-professional. I want to take you back to the start of your playing journey before we move on to your coaching. You mind just taking us back to that point, please? Yes. Yeah, so I was a young lad via... Via many different areas, sort of in terms of I was born born in Belfast, then uh, no real connection, no family connection to Belfast, but my parents were over there. My dad got a job out there and spent a bit of time, a very short time uh, in London, southeast London, Lewisham, where my my mum was born and raised. And then we ended up the my dad's side of the family all in Peterborough. So ended up there and. From as young as I can remember, we were lucky where the estate we grew up on, we had a, a big a big island, a big field in the middle. And many hours, like millions of kids playing, where it was only meal times and bedtimes that I wasn't out there playing football with my friends or on my own or, or whatever. And um, uh, fortunate at the age of eight, seven or eight, I got the holiday camps that Peterborough United used to run, like the, the community holiday camps in the, in the holidays, and got spotted from there as someone with a bit of potential and signed for Peterborough as a nine-year-old and um, was there then till I was 21. So I went through all the age groups and got offered a, a scholarship, um, three-year scholarship at the time and turned then pro uh, before that three years was out, turned pro early when I was 17 and Made my debut as a 17-year-old at Peterborough and um, felt like things were going well. Um, picked up a couple of, of, of nasty injuries along the way there and ended up at 21 leaving, going to Lincoln. Um, and didn't didn't work out for me at all at Lincoln. Didn't really see eye to eye with the manager. Didn't play. Had a few niggly injuries. Just one thing led to another and ended up sort of falling out of the professional game. And it was at that point that I started coaching playing uh, part-time in both and um, did that for six years before before getting an offer of full-time coaching and decided to, to not play on the head at 28, 29, I think I was, nearly 29. And yeah, six, um, seven years later as a full-time, in a full-time role, I've been coaching, but as I say, for, I've been coaching uh, from the very beginning for 12 years now, so uh, starting to get a little bit of experience, I'd say. 
Mm. So what what was it that about coaching that kind of took you, you know, took your interest in that respect? Yeah. Do you know what? It's really interesting and I say this quite a lot sometimes in, in all different walks of life. Sometimes you don't realise why things happen or how things happen until you look back and you can connect. You can never connect the dots on the way forwards. It's only when all the dots are, are there that you can connect them and look yeah. back. And And I never really, I'll be honest, when I, when I started coaching, if you'd have asked me 12 months previous to that, uh, when I was still obviously still a full-time professional, that I would then go into coaching, I wouldn't have, I would have sort of not said you're mad, but I wouldn't have said that that would have happened. Um, It wasn't really anything I'd thought about that much, but it's only when I look back and I had um, different uh, friends, whether it was family friends or um, just local, obviously I'm from Peterborough and I, I was fortunate enough to play for Peter United. So in the area, played for the professional club, the area that I'm from. And people would that with that comes a little bit of a profile, but people would ask me to maybe go and watch uh, their local team, or if it was a family friend, someone that I knew, uh, they would say, "Oh, can you come and watch my lab play?" Or would you would you maybe give them some tips and stuff like that? And I was always really really enjoyed doing that, and would always say yes and always help out. And I, I can even remember a family friend of mine. I must have only been maybe fifteen, sixteen. And he was maybe 10 or 11 and his mum coming round and uh, asking whether I could help him with certain things. And we'd go at the park and I'd work on maybe his first touch or a long passing and things like that, crossing, finishing. But I never really connected the dots of, oh, I actually really enjoy coaching. I just loved football and, and, and wanted to help out. Um, so when I look back, I think, well, actually, I was probably already, well, I was, I was already starting to be a coach uh, at that age, at a young age, when all my aspirations were was to make it as a professional footballer. And, and that was all I was really focused on. But when you look back and think, oh, actually, yeah, well, I did. I, I was I was coaching age without really thinking about what mm. I was actually doing. So, um, so, yeah, so once I, what happened was when I started coaching, uh, when I'd made the actual conscious decision to do it, I all I did was I started a summer camp. It was a summer. It was a summer holiday. It was August time, and I'd as I say I'd started playing part time, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Um, what am I going to do with my time? Because I'm I'm not training every day, or I'm not a full time. I'm not training with the team every day. Although I was looking after myself physically, but also let's be honest, I, I was 23 at that point. What am I going to do financially? Mm. Because I've gone from a full time footballer on, on a full time wage to a part time footballer on prop, well definitely less than half the money um, that I was earning as a, as a full time player, and neither was a lot of money by the way, not at all. Um, right. I was obviously in League Two. Uh, with Lincoln at the time. So I, I started a, a summer camp. I, I got some flyers printed and um, stuck them on uh, car windscreens and uh, uh, would go into like local corner shops and say, look, can I stick this in your window? And, and, and we had probably, we didn't get a lot of people. I had a, a young lad who I knew, again, a family friend who wanted to help out. And, and we probably got about 15 people, 15 kids. And we did two weeks Um nine till three. I had no uh, coaching experience. I'd done my level two as a coach, as, uh, sorry, as a scholar, as a, as a youth team player at Peterborough, but I had no coaching experience. Um, and I just sort of jumped in at the deep end and uh, really enjoyed it. It was really hard. And then 
I I had a friend of mine who I went to school with. His 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 dad was a head teacher at school, and said, "Look, can you come in and do some after school sessions?" Um, which I did, and I loved. And and very quickly after that, I got approached by Peterborough United. Obviously, I'd been there as a player, and the academy manager at the time. A guy called Dave Robertson. He was a coach of, in the academy when I was a player, and, and he'd heard what I was doing and asked me to get involved. And, and yeah, I was I was there for the first time round. I was there for nine years doing different roles. So that was sort of how it all started, really. Right, right. So obviously, you, you touched on there about the start of your journey, and I guess subconsciously starting your coaching journey without even realizing. Yeah. So I guess you know I want you to take take a bit of time to maybe go back to that point there. What would a session look like for that family friend? So I, I relied a lot on, and, and I'll be honest, even at that point, uh, sorry, even after that, and when I first started coaching as in consciously coaching and, and um, for minimum the first year or so, I would say, I relied a lot on what I liked or what I had seen. So when I watched... I was involved in sessions I would always I just I loved football yes and, and I, I still do so when when we trained or whether I looked at other other players if we did maybe position specific work or whatever I would look at well, what do they do to work on this particular aspect so for example if it was someone doing um working on their first touch well, what do they do and and, and what what sessions the coaches that I worked with put on or what sessions did I enjoy if I was working on my first toucher, if I was working on crossing or if I was working on 1v1 attacking or obviously as on the flip of that 1v1 defending, whatever it was, I, I used to just go on what I, what I enjoyed myself because I felt and I still feel while there's, there's parts of the game that people um, will enjoy more than others and often it's the things that we're good at that people probably enjoy a little bit more, but I think you've got to in, enjoy. If I if if I feel if I'm if I'm planning the session and what I what I I would enjoy doing that, I think that's a really good indicator to to say well, hopefully not always right and not always the case, but hopefully the players will enjoy it as well. So yeah, so I would again I would work sometimes if again if it was with with a family friend or. Um, if I was asked to go and help out with a, a young grassroots team, I would just think, well, they want to have loads of touches on the ball. It's got to be, it's got to be quite free flowing um, and quite intense and sharp, and yeah, just just trying to make it as as relevant but as as fun as and enjoyable as possible, which I think certainly with with younger players um that's so so important because i think you learn you learn the best when you're tuned in and you're tuned in the best when you're you're enjoying or you're feeling that you're getting value out of the practice that that's being put on for you 100% yeah and i just want to kind of take you back obviously that was in the initial stages you know almost why i asked that question because there's a lot of coaches who when they first get into it obviously your situation is a bit more subconscious but mm. when they first get into it, they rely on quite often what they've maybe been through as players yeah yeah definitely what, what they've what they've essentially observed in their own experience rather yeah. than i guess at the initial stages maybe taking a more conscious effort to actually decide and depict on what's best for the players in that environment so i guess 
you know, kind of fast forward a little bit. Obviously, that was right at the start when you was maybe supporting a family friend. But then, you yeah. know, around the age of 23, I think you mentioned you set up a summer camp. Yeah. Now, how did that look? Because obviously, by that point, you know, you've, you've now, I guess, made a conscious effort to go into coaching. Yeah. Were your thoughts and ideas maybe shaped differently as a result of that? Yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I can still remember. Let's say it was, it was twelve years ago now, so not that long. Um, and I can remember what I did was so leading it. Obviously, I'd organised it. I got um, I got I'd taken bookings. Um, so I knew that it was going to go ahead. I knew I couldn't back out now. And um, I remember that probably the couple of weeks lead up to it, the week certainly the week lead up. I thought the realization of well. Right. What am I actually going to do? I'm I'm offering this service, and I'm saying it's going to be sort of five, six hours, or, or whatever it was, nine till three. And what am I actually going to do? So I put together a plan, obviously, as, as you would do a session plan and a, and a sort of schedule for the day and, and what have you. And what I tried to do is, again, just what we were just speaking about. Then it was a summer camp, and I had no idea of the abilities of these kids, and actually what. Um, what happened was the kids were all different abilities and I tried to make it as fun as possible also I wanted to teach them something it wasn't a case of this is just going to be um, babysitters club uh, mm. of course for the parents having young kids myself now that, that my eldest goes goes to a summer camp it's the first time actually this summer these summer holidays just gone that he went to a summer camp now I, I appreciate fully that it's uh, cheap, it's cheap childcare, which is great. But at the same time, I wanted the kids to learn something just as I'd like my kid where when, when he went, I would expect him to be learning something as well. And so I tried to make, so I would plan, uh, for example, the theme. So a theme each, so we do obviously a morning and afternoon and each, 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 um, morning or an afternoon i would have a theme on each 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 block so two sort of themes a day um and i would so if it was maybe passing so i would focus on on passing so anything from from basic passing in in twos or threes and maybe playing around a square or playing around a diamond or playing around a triangle to then some fun games where you might have um some cones uh, some sort of traffic cones and you, you're trying to knock the traffic cones off and you get different points, uh, varying amounts of points for how far the traffic cone was away or if you're using your weak foot. Or, um, we played football golf, which obviously would, would, would challenge them in regards to how close they would get to a certain uh, target and how many shots it would take to get there. Uh, we have little relay games to work on your dribbling and running with the ball. So I, I would always try and have a theme of what I was doing. And, and 100%, I took it seriously because, as I say, I wanted it to be fun, but I also am a huge believer And actually, the more structured it is um, and the kids are getting something out of it, they're going to enjoy themselves. And, and as a consequence of that, they're going to get better. So that was sort of what I thought. And, and the actual practices, some I'd, I sort of had a bit of a design in my head, but also some I, uh, I remembered doing myself. And I remember the night before, obviously, the, the first day, I, <laughs> I woke up, I woke up in a cold sweat almost. And I was like, wow, this is, this is good. I'm actually got to go through this because, as I said, up until that point, I'd never really, I'd coached, as I say in, in, uh, earlier, one-to-ones uh, and things like that. But 
but nothing on this size and and nothing as as planned and organized and, and as conscious and um yeah i can remember waking up thinking wow this is it's almost uh sink or swim people mm. are giving their that they're putting their trust in me with not just their children in regards to looking after them first and foremost that's the that was the big thing um for me but also the kids and, and the parents as well they, they're going to expect something that a kid's not just going to uh, keep coming or enjoy it if we turn up and all we do is is Wembley for five hours. It's not going to. It's not going to work. It's not going to cut it. So, so yeah. And and I just I, I I really enjoyed it, but I did. I can clearly remember the feeling of of having that real responsibility of I I, I need to do something. Um, I need to do well. And, and it's funny, obviously my career has taken it where it's taken it so far. And I've worked at different levels and different size clubs and different abilities, but I've never been as, or I've certainly never been more nervous than that first day when, when all I was doing was at a, a local recreational field, taking some kids on the summer camp. But I, I was, I was extremely nervous uh, the night before and, and, and the day of, but once I got going, it was like anything. I felt I enjoyed it and I felt more confident and I got better, better as as, uh, as the weeks and months and obviously years have gone on. Mm. And obviously, you know, you talk there about, you know, getting better as the years, and you know, weeks, months and years have gone on. Uh, really, you know, you, it, it was almost putting yourself in a deep end, which, you know, you, mm. as, you, as you put it, it's either sink or swim. Mm. And you know, within that, you, you could never have probably anticipated the the ranging levels of abilities, um, potentially the ranging levels in terms of the age group uh, of players that you're working with as well. So just within that, then you know, what what, what how did that experience there help shape your views going forward on maybe how a session should be delivered and what things to take into consideration? Because it was soon after that that you were yeah. approached by Peterborough to go back or to get yeah. to start the academy. Yeah. Yeah, no, do you know what? I think the biggest thing, and I've, I've obviously listened to your previous podcast, and I think I think Chris Ramsey spoke about it, around being organised, just being organised and being prepared that, you know, you get things come up that you don't foresee, but you have to try and foresee them or, le- or at least be in a position where if they do come up, you can react to them quickly and, and solve the problem. So um, uh, I'll give you an example that we, during the during that, that first week, um, you, you'd organise. So so I can remember this one clearly, and this happens to this day in, in not a week goes by. Uh, uh, every um, role I've had within, within football as a coach, where just something as simple as, the uh, you're expecting uh, 15 players sudden uh, to get injured or uh, maybe two two are ill and and one just doesn't turn up or uh, is running late so they're only going to be there for half the session or whatever it is being able to adapt quickly being able to adapt and change and and have that plan of right this particular session, ideally, we've got X amount of numbers. But if we don't, session or is the particular part of the session you're thinking about, is it still going to work? Or actually, are you going to have to maybe adapt? What can you adapt it to, dependent on the numbers? 
if the numbers get smaller or the numbers maybe get bigger and 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 as a week goes by where i i don't plan for a session and and uh you have less players than you thought or so for example now as in my role now it could be um the under 18s have got two players injured and they need two players or the first team have taken two of their players so they would like two more players or one more player or whatever it is whatever it is yeah so that that you have to be able to adapt and uh, plan, plan, be organised to plan, but also be organised to be able to adapt. If you plan too much and you're too organised and you become too rigid, then then the deck of cards can fall down by something changing. And, and, and far more often than not, things do change. Definitely. You know, obviously, you know, you talk there about maybe being over-planned and I think the danger with that, and obviously, you know, one of my roles is um, I work in coach education, obviously, um, with the FA and I deliver, you know, some of the level ones, level twos and support some of the B licence stuff from time to time as well. And it's const- one of the constant things I see is when coaches are so dead set on this is what I've planned, this is what we're going to do because this is part of my plan, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, rather than adapting to the needs and the, I guess the the progression that's actually taking place within the actual session itself. So, you know, I always say, well, look, you might have had three or four practices planned or four, five or six, however many practices you've got, but actually it's good to yeah, have them planned, but don't be set in your mind that that's what's going to happen. So exactly. They do, they do need to spend, you know, and, and don't don't time constrain everything either. So if they do need 20 minutes on a practice that you believe anticipate they're going to need 10 for, then give them the 20 minutes. Yeah. But equally, then a probably post-session, maybe reflect and say, okay, well, did you actually plan effectively if you if they if you didn't recognize that they may have needed the 20 minutes in the first place yeah yeah um, exactly and and then you know and then the plus side is if you've got the additional practices ready and they haven't got around to them your next session's ready for you ready exactly exactly um, and that and that's the thing it's a process isn't it it's not a case of well you we all have an idea and every session you have an idea and it's good to have an idea of right where are we going to start this session and how do i envisage the end of the session looking but it's a process and you, that, end, that end part of the session might be the start of the next session. And, mm. and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you're spot on. It's also, it's, so it's the organisation of, of a session that you have to be adaptable for, but also the performance of the players within that session as to whether, do you know what? Uh, we're doing a, a, it might be a, a a tap v defence or it might be an unopposed technical drill whatever it is but you have an idea of right I think we're going to get to this point but if you don't don't necessarily feel that you have to move on you might decide to move on because you think well actually no that's enough for tonight and we'll we'll revisit it tomorrow or whenever your next training session is but don't feel you have to move on because as you've just said there Yaz you've you've um, allocated 20 minutes if they haven't got it in 20 minutes well then that that's that's not a problem at all but just have that plan of right okay they've not got it we are gonna we're gonna move on now but i'm gonna go back to that definitely and i think there's nothing wrong even going into the next session and actually doing a, a revisit to the same practices just to see what the recall was like too yeah 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 no for sure for sure that's um i think checking learning is is a massive thing and it, it and whether again there's so many ways to do that if you're fortunate enough to get to get sessions filmed that uh, it might be a case of well you're not necessarily going to go back to it um straight away but 
you could potentially visit it in the classroom or with, with, with technology these days, if you can get it filmed, then you might have a WhatsApp group and you send it out, right? right um, lads, girls, whoever you work with, but you're sending it out and saying, look, this is, this is what we did. This is what I think we did well. This is what I think we didn't do so well. Um, we're now gonna, we're gonna progress on to X, Y, Z, whatever, but making use of all the, all the different tools and technology you've got um, to try and embed that learning. It doesn't have to be, well, they're gonna get from A to B in 20 minutes. It doesn't work like that. It, it, sometimes it does, but, but not certainly not all the time. Definitely, yeah. I want to take you back to yourself a little bit now. Obviously, your coaching journey. Um, so, you know, Peter ever approached you yeah. about getting into the academy. Obviously, the academy manager at the time found out what you were doing and was obviously impressed and yeah. by the sound of it. What did that look like? Because obviously, you know, I yeah. think you gone in there initially. I think the last I know, when you left, when you left your first role at Peterborough, you was also assistant under 18s coach, was it? Something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly that. So, so what I. So when I first went back, so I went back in, in the 2008 when I'd started coaching um, a couple of months into to my sort of very, very early days coaching career. And I was, so initially what happened was um, they offered me to to assist with, so so the academy manager, Dave Robertson, he was he was a coach at the club when I, when I was a player. But actually my, um, one of my, my squad coaches um, was he he was still doing well he'd left and gone back to the club because what happened when i was 18 the club the club shut the academy and then what far about three years later they restarted it and uh the coach who i'm talking about he 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 went back to the club and because i knew him and he'd been my coach as an under 13 he was actually still taking the 13s so i went and assisted him for the rest well initially it was for uh up until christmas so i went in like the october and they said till christmas assist assist and and we'll give you a team in january and i really enjoyed working under him a guy called steve gerard not not the Stephen gerard but a guy called steve gerard he he was the coach and i really enjoyed working with him and listening and learning and taking parts of sessions but a lot of it was around just talking to, to individuals or talking to the group about my own experiences or just helping, helping in certain ways. But they offered me, they offered me an age group um, in the January. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel ready to take the team on my own. So, so I said to them, I said, look, um, I, I prefer, and this, this was all voluntary. This was all voluntary as an assistant. The, the, the league coaches got paid, but the assistants were, were voluntary at the time. And I, I, they offered me, um, I can't remember which age group they offered me now, but anyway, I, I decided that I wanted to stay as an assistant because I just didn't feel ready to, to take the team on my own. As I said, I'd only been coaching um, not even six months at that point. And I just, I, I knew, again, um, talking about the responsibility and, and how much, um, the expectation I place on myself to, to be able to deliver whatever it is and teach, I didn't feel ready to do it. I didn't feel that I would do myself justice. So I, so I stayed assisting for the rest of that season. And then the following season or towards the end of that season, I, um, I took over the under 10s 
which would then I followed that into uh, the following the next season, the under 11s. And I stayed with the under 11 age group. So I stayed, I, I, I obviously had a new group. So I did full season and I did uh, the second season and I did three seasons with the under 11s. Then I moved up to the under 14s. I spent two years doing the 14s. Um, and those players were actually at that point then the same players that I'd worked with at under 11s. Um, and then it was at that point, so I'd been coaching then at the club for about five years. Yeah, around five years. As as I say, I was I was I was doing more and more sessions because what I'd started to do is I I was lucky to to be able because my job was obviously coaching in schools and and I was a I was still playing semi professionally, which was obviously all evenings and, and weekends on a Saturday. I was I was offered the chance to to coach, come in and coach on the day release program. Uh-huh. So I would come in and work with the the older players. So although I was still like the 11s league coach and then the 14s league coach, I'd also work with the 15s and 16s as well, um, which was great for me because obviously I was getting to work with different age groups and and I was just out on the grass, out on the grass as much as possible coaching. And I was obviously coaching in schools in my own business, but also then working with, with obviously uh, in the elite environment within academy football. So, so that, as I say, for six years, five or six years, I, I did that, which again is something, and, and I understand it, Yaz, but I think sometimes we can, all of us can be, but I, I listen to, to coaches and, and I, I obviously read a lot on Twitter and people who I speak to. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm fortunate that people will ask me questions and maybe see me as, as be interested in my story and what I've done. And, very keen to 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 climb up that ladder get into full-time coaching within academy very quickly and and then climb up the ages and and, and what have you and i just i'm so glad that i had the the years I, I i had coaching in different environments coaching in schools coaching in in uh as i say within the academy but also different age groups within that um because as i said we, we spoke about earlier the adaptability and and being able to be flexible and and also uh the 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 grounding it gave me to be able to relate forget what you're teaching them but just relate on a on a on a communication level on a human level with different players of different ages of different abilities of different genders um, some with disability. I used to work as part of my role um, when I when my coaching business. I used to go into a, a special needs school and, and we just deliver a couple of hours. Um, again, different age groups and, and some were physic uh, physically uh, had, had quite severe disabilities and some was behavioural. But all these different things, if I'd have just got a full time role at a club straight away. I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have experienced these things. And if I'd have been chasing that, I might have been blinded to the opportunities that 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 came my way. So I was absolutely grateful, and and I'm glad. When again, when I look back now, for while it was difficult because I had to juggle all sorts of things and manage my time and and what have you, and it was it was busy. It was before I had kids, but. Um, I was with my girlfriend, uh, girlfriend at the time, my now wife, and and I was out. I was out every every night or every day, apart from a Friday uh, where I coached in the daytime. But I didn't. Um, I, I I had a Friday night off, but I would coach on a Monday and a Wednesday. 
I would train myself as I was playing part-time on a Tuesday and Thursday. I would have my game on a Saturday that I would play in and I would have obviously the kids' game on a Sunday. So I was I was, I was really busy. Um, I learned so much. I learned so much for myself, but I also learned so much by learning and watching and listening to others. So, so yeah, that was sort of, that was the journey at Peterborough. Um, and mm. as I say, I um, that was the part-time journey and then got offered the, the, the role the role that I'm doing now that I've gone back into, but in a lot smaller, the club was, the academy was a lot smaller then. So I was uh, um, doing a lot, doing a lot of stuff within the role itself. I was leading the under 16s, but I was also the youth development phase coach, um, which meant that obviously I had the 13s had a group, a lead coach and assistant, the 14s did. But I was the 15s and 16s coach. So, lots going on. Mm. And just, you know, obviously within that time, you know, you've gone there. I, just curious to understand maybe how much the club had changed from when you were coming through as a player yourself. And mm. then obviously now as a coach working with those young, you know, those young uh, aspiring, you know, footballers there. Mm. So, so when I when I first went back, as a, so, so in fairness, it was only, it would have been two years Two, mm. When I left the first time, so I left at 21 and went back at 23. So just over two years, it was about two and a half years that I'd, that, that I'd spent away. But as I say, the academy had actually, when I left, the academy had been shut for for, right. for two years, two, three years. Um, so in the academy at the time, when I was a young player coming through, Peterborough was a well-known academy. We had, um, we were, so what happened was before, before um, it, it was Centre of Excellence, it was called a Centre of Excellence. And then what happened probably, I might, I'll get the years wrong here, but around 98, 99, so I would have been maybe 13, 14, it changed to you had academies and you also had Centre of Excellences. So just like now where you have Cat 1 down to Cat 4, the academy, it was more just two. So you had the academies that were your, your Cat 1s and 2s, and your cat threes and fours were center of excellences. Now that's that that isn't the that isn't a, com, a complete. Uh, it didn't work exactly straight down, but but just for obviously for for uh, for the sake of this, imagine that. So we Peterborough was a, a cat one two academy back then, uh, and, and classed as an academy when we were coming through. We played against all the all the top sides in our region, all the obviously top London clubs, the top Midlands clubs. Um, and then when basically what happened was, as with Cat 1s and Cat 2s now, the, 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 the FA and the Premier League basically said, you need to be funding more, you need to be spending more money if you want to com- continue to have academy status, otherwise you'll be put into a centre of excellence. So the club, being a League 1 and League 2 club, couldn't afford to do it. So what happened was when I became 17, 18, we went into um, Centre of Excellence. And then when I got to like 18, 19, they scrapped it completely. So when I when when I came back in two years later, the, the, the academy had started back up through Dave, but it was on such a smaller level, such a smaller level. Um, in regards to facility, we didn't have our own uh, training facility. We used to sort of train, we trained around about 30, 35 minutes away from Peterborough. Um, we our games, our training was in one venue. Our games were in somewhere else. The games used to have to always be staggered because you couldn't get more than say one one team 
um, playing at any one time. Um, it was completely different to what I was used to as a, as an academy player at Peterborough when I then returned as a, an academy coach at Peterborough. Completely different. But in fairness, over the years, uh, I was there. I was there almost nine years the first time round. Things did change a lot. We got a sort of a base and a training ground and... Um, uh, we got more coaches and, and more staff and a, a little bit more funding and, and stuff like that. And it just it just progressed from there. But um, while those things were the case, it didn't mean that we couldn't still work, work and improve really good young players. And um, there's been, been a number of players that have gone on uh, from Peterborough and gone on to better things, gone and had careers or players that might not have even made it at Peterborough but have had... Um, whether it's non-league careers or have left and then gone up and got back through the leagues after leaving Peterborough. So um, it, it, it had changed a lot. It had changed a lot, but there was still some fantastic work being done. Mm. And obviously, a large part of the role was supporting those players, you know, in preparation for first-team football, potentially, if they were able to secure that. Yeah. What would you say one of the, some of the key behaviours and characteristics that you observe, both from your experience as a coach and potentially even as a player, yeah. that really stood out for you as almost non-negotiable and must-haves in order to kind of make it over that line? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I th- the two the two biggest, well, three biggest ones for me, three ones in, in no particular order, but you've got to have belief. You have to have a real, real belief that you can do it. Now, that can come in loads of different ways. That can come in someone who is ultra-confident and, and exudes confidence, um, uh, whether that's in training or in games. But that can also, confident, a real belief can come in, which links into the next one, in being really resilient. I think if, you, if you, you've got to be resilient to, to have a career in football, but I think the more belief and confidence you have that you you're you're capable of achieving something, the more resilient you'll be because you you'll get a knockback, but you'll you'll attack it head on and you'll get back up again because you'll have that belief of no, I'm going to go and achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. So belief and resilience are, are, are certainly two. The third one I say is you've got to have a. a, a and a, a real, real work ethic to work hard and work at your game and work not just when the coach or anybody else is looking. You've got to work when people aren't looking. You've got to work on not just, we said it earlier, you've got to work on your strength. If you're a, um, a wide player and you, you, you're not great, at, you're, you're a good crosser of the ball. Now, of course, you've got to keep working on being a good crosser of the ball. Or if you're a forward or you're a defender and you're really good 1v1, you've still got to continue to work on that. But also you've got to have a real uh, willingness to work on your areas of your game that you need to improve as well. Um, And that requires hard work because it's not easy. Nobody enjoys not being good at something. But if that's something you need to improve to get to the next level or help you achieve what you want to achieve, then you've got to work on it. So that work ethic to be able to do resilience and, and then have the belief of of that you can achieve i think they're the three big things for me brilliant and you know just to kind of take it you know a little bit deeper then what would you say are some of the integral things for you becoming a pro um 
what as to the reasons why I felt that. Yeah, I mean, well, I what, did. what some of the th- yeah. So if you know, if you're looking back at your yeah. own journey and coming through as a young pro, yeah. what would you say some of the standout yeah. things were for you personally that you know you felt okay, these were key moments or key things that you kind of think yeah. back to? I think I, I was never, I, I was never, and, and listen, let's um, get it right. I, I, I was a professional footballer, and I, I, I achieved that goal. Certainly, I played. Um, uh, played n- numerous games, but I didn't achieve what I f- what I wanted to achieve, or I certainly didn't achieve um, as much as, as other people. But what I did have, obviously, I, I, I made it as a professional. So, everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No one can take that away. And I'm, I'm, me and my, and my family are very proud of that. But I think the biggest thing for me, I was never, I never felt, certainly, I never felt like I was the best player. But I always had belief in myself that I could... I could achieve what I wanted to achieve. And it was probably, I got to, actually, I was asked to do a talk the other day um, just on, actually, on self-belief uh, for a, a, a friend of mine who who's doing some work with some, some kids um, who have been within their school, have been sort of targeted as, as uh, academically uh, good achievers, but could do better. So talking about belief, basically, and and I got to about thirteen when I realised, you know what, I've actually got a chance of maybe doing this thirteen, fourteen, and from that point, I was just very, very, very focused on trying to do everything I could to be the best I can be. I was, I've always, I've been fortunate that I've had good role models, whether it's family members or friends or or family friends even that have not necessarily sat me down and said, you must, uh, you must work hard or you must do this. Just the example they set, I looked at and, and saw that they were successful and thought, well, these guys work hard. These guys, they're not just happy. Well, they're good at something and that's it. They work hard to achieve what they want to achieve. And this isn't just in football. This is just in life. And, and I was, I think I've always been very aware of to achieve anything, you've got to work at it. And I think that's that's where I've been fortunate that I've had role models that showed me that, not necessarily, as I say, not not necessarily tell me that, that you have to do it, but I, I, was, I was able to maybe work that out for myself. And I take that with me every day now, that whatever you want to achieve, you just, you, you have to work hard and, and also work smart. So it's not just about how many hours you put in, it's what the quality of those hours, you know? And um, yeah, I would put it down to that being aware of what 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 I was good at and working hard, but also being aware of what I was maybe not good at and what I needed to improve, and working even harder at that as well. Brilliant, you know, and just on you know, just kind of delve into that a little bit deeper. And obviously, you talked there about maybe not, you know, overcoming that, that challenge and you know reaching that goal of becoming mm. professional footballer, maybe not kind of extending it to the career that you would have hoped or. Mm. Um, initially, initially for so you know as 
with anyone, um, professional footballers, coaches, or in any any walk of life. You know, people do suffer setbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talked there about some of the experiences previously around some of the clubs. You know, you, you, you were going through some injury issues and selection issues, and maybe issues with some of the some of the staff at the club. In, in certain yeah. Just want you to kind of maybe reflect back on your playing journey, and obviously we'll move back to your coaching shortly. But in that time as a player, what was maybe one of the, if you could reflect back, what was one of the most notable things a coach did to kind of support you? Yeah, just spend time with me. That's the big one. That's what I, I, I when I look now and I think back and, and and listen, I think the the structure the support structure for young players on and off the pitch, but I'm going to talk in a minute. I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk for now on the pitch. I think it is a lot better because I think people do have more staff around. And, and even in, in the last 10 years, the support for young players is, is greater and it's as great as it's ever been. And I'm talking around now, but what the EPPP has brought in, I know some people uh, would think that maybe it's, it's, it's not all all good for uh, in regards to 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 the EPPP and what what the requirements now demand of of clubs and academies. But one thing it has done it, it has it has meant that the support for young players, whether it's staffing, whether it's contact time, uh, whether it's facility, whatever it is, is far greater. But I I, I look at me and and I left Peterborough at twenty one. And I was still a very young player. And even before I left Peterborough, I got in and around the first team at 17, 18. I, on many levels, it was great that it was a very, it was a, it was a men's environment and I had to grow up and deal with that. And there were some fantastic characters at the club, some fantastic characters that helped me a lot. But I think... When I look back and, and I reflect now as a coach, I was still a young lad and there was, it wasn't just me. There was, there was a, n- a number of players, as I said, the academy was successful. So there was a number of players in and around, say, a year older and a year younger than me. There was a n- numerous players that were in and around sort of the reserves and stuff like that. But it was very, you're almost left to your own devices a little bit. Well, there was no under 23s. The reserves, the reserves back then was... Um, uh, young players that were sort of in and around but not playing regularly, but also then older pros that were either coming back from injury or also not playing. And that on so many levels was great. And and you hear so many clubs and so many coaches talking about that now that that's what's maybe missing from the under-23 league. But And, and, and I get that, which is obviously why with the, the Football League trophy, why the Cat 1 clubs, are, uh, many teams are obviously under 21 sides in that to try and get more competitive men's football I get that totally and I agree with that but one thing that that has happened with with the introduction more of under 23s and and players uh, being within that setup longer is that it allows players to be properly coached still as what they are young players rather than just throwing them into men's football and some people can thrive in that early some people can't um, and I and I think that's probably the biggest thing that that I found quite difficult when I left Peterborough. Even at 21, it was almost like right, I'm with it now. Whereas when I was at Peterborough, still, 
I had coaches around that that still knew me as a young player and helped me in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, developing yeah. that personal connection with you and yeah. you know, knowing you as a person, I guess, as as with anyone, really, I think if, if you know someone, you almost know better how to, or you're in a, you're in a better place, shall we say, to yeah. maybe support them because you know maybe the, the tendencies and the intricacies yeah. of their character and personality. Yeah. So, you know, just yeah, kind of... Yeah, 100%. Build on that, then. You talked there about that connection, and I'm just curious to know whether throughout your journey, you know, we'll talk more about the coaching aspect in a little while. But certainly as a player, what would you who, would you say that you've had any particular individual that's been a major influence for you, and yeah. been almost like a mentor, maybe? And if yeah. so, what's the biggest lesson you kind of took from them? Yeah. So, um, so John Morlin, who is the Brighton Academy manager. So he was, it's funny. So he came to Peterborough as a, a young, what happened was the, the, he had been a, a young player that didn't get a professional contract or he, he might not have even got a, a youth team contract, but what happened, the coach brought him across from where he was and, um, he became a coach, just a young coach of Academy players, similar to myself. He'd, he'd, he'd stopped playing, um, or professionally and started coaching and and I was in his first group as a as an under 10 um and I had him at 10s 11s 12s then he went off to the older age groups as I was working my way up and then he was then my youth team manager at under 18s he then as I got into the first team squad he was first team coach and then he went he went off and he left Peterborough and and this is what I'm talking about in regards to, so he left and I was still maybe 19, 20. And that, that kind of figure who would still work with me daily. And not that the other coaches wouldn't, but he would be very proactive of, look, Ryan, this is what we're going to work on after training, or you need to work on this. Uh, here's some ideas for you to work on this. And I would then go and do it because I was obviously so eager to improve. When he left, that sort of went and... And I probably, looking self-reflecting, didn't do enough to either seek that out, someone like that again, or didn't do enough to to maybe continue having him as that mentor. Although I wasn't wasn't um, uh, although he wasn't around because I'm he's someone who I still speak to very regularly now. And, and as he went off to Ireland and, and did some great work with the Irish FA and he's now been at Brighton a number of years as the Academy director at Brighton. So he's now sort of that mentor, uh, as a coach as well, which is, which is incredible to have someone like that, to be able to talk to and, mm. and, and, and learn off. So he, he's the biggest one for me. And you, 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 the question, the second part of what did he teach me? Um, if there's one one biggest thing, I think it was it again. It was probably around making sure you you can look yourself at the end of end of the day, the end of a season, or if you you have a successful or an unsuccessful time, but just done everything you could, and and as I say, probably when he moved on and I then moved on probably about 18 months later when I went to Lincoln and things it was tough there I, I, I didn't start particularly well there I had an injury there um, and then I didn't play and uh, I felt at the time that the manager um, probably uh, 
there was it was a situation there where two guys it was a, a very very young manager who had done some really good stuff in the academy who got given the job and there was another a, a guy was brought in as a director of football um to sort of help him who was he was an experienced guy and um I felt I was stuck between the two of them that that one that one really sort of wanted to to help me and, and look and, and try and push me and and one probably wasn't too fussed either way just the way it was um and and I thought I always feel feel now when I look back at that time I probably when I wasn't in favor didn't I never I worked hard still and I did what I could and and what have you but I didn't push myself as much as I should have done not necessarily to to be successful there but having been there I was there for 18 months when I left I wasn't anywhere near the levels that I could have been um if I'd have worked even harder because I wasn't playing games regularly so I I'd fallen behind and when it when I left there that was when I sort of I went on trial to a couple of clubs and I did okay but not as good as I would have liked and that was when I decided to to get into coaching and and I feel that that probably that was my toughest toughest period as a player and I should have worked harder to to get through that better Mm. You know, sort of, you know, just delving a bit deeper into your coaching journey. I know I'm going to kind of you've talked a lot about your time initially at Peterborough, and obviously mm-hmm. touching a bit on about what you're doing now. But there's a couple roles in between yeah. those two periods. Um, just want to take you to obviously your role at the FA. Just talk a bit about yeah. that and how that came along and what that entailed exactly. Yeah, fantastic role. So um, I was lucky. Obviously, I interviewed. Uh, sorry, I applied and interviewed for the role, and is a. Um, uh, BAME uh, coach mentee, which was a, a full time role for the twelve months, and and basically what that entailed was I, we spent well there was four of us, two male, two female, and we we it was around six weeks, it was around six weeks each, uh, each six to eight weeks, six placements over the course of the twelve months, mm-hmm. um within the FA, um so within so i spent six weeks with the fayycds fa youth coach developers that that support coaches on their their a license b license aya um in the elite game so they're they're coaches of academy clubs and they obviously support they support either on course or also back in, in the clubs. So I did that. I also did the role of the, the county coach developer, which was a very, very similar role, but just in more grassroots. Um, I did a work within the PE unit. So those guys go into schools and and uh, not just schools, but work with community departments of, of, of clubs in regards to how they deliver and, and things that they deliver on their program. Um, I also spent, uh, I worked on two camps with the 16s, under 16s and 18s, and the national camps as sort of as a technical coach, and and the role within within the camps varied. So I did some uh, position specific work. We did some uh, did analysis work pre uh, pre camp in regards to the opposition we were going to play, and delivered some some bits around that. Um, so that was a, obviously an unbelievable experience, and that was an experience, my first experience of working with, obviously, uh, 
there's the academy football, but then the, there's obviously the elite of academy football as well, working with obviously the, some of the best players of their age in the country and Europe as well, which was amazing, fantastic experience. Um, so, yeah, that was the, the 12 months. And the idea of it was to either within the FA or back within your club, uh, within a club environment, club setting, to, to get a role within the professional game and, and, and not just get a role, but be better for the 12 months experience and, and be mm. better equipped for whatever role you go into. Definitely. And obviously off the back of that, you've now found your way at Manchester City. Yeah, so I, so I had two years, yeah. So so towards the end of that time, I uh, obviously we started applying for roles. And, and within the 12 months as well, I didn't explain this. So while you had the six-month, six to eight-week placements, six of them, there was also some things that ran through the, the 12 months throughout. So we would we would always, every at the end of every placement, we would get together, the four of us, and we would deliver, we would present on what we've done. Um, and obviously, as part of that, you, you're developing your presentation skills and your communication skills. We had workshops in terms of regards to CV writing, interview techniques, things like that. So, so I was busy to a close the last two three months. I, I was busy, obviously, applying for roles, and was fortunate to get a few interviews and interviewed for the uh, the role at City, and um, obviously got offered the roles at uh, 15's coach which was fantastic so I spent two years or a season just over a season and a half before obviously Covid struck um, up there which was amazing learned a lot of things and, and learned from a lot of top people and again working with some top top players um, and yeah that, that was a fantastic experience and one that, that I felt I was I am now better for and fully equipped into obviously my, my, my role now back at Peterborough as the, the YDP league coach. Um, it was a, it was an opportunity to come back to Peterborough and really have a real, real input on driving the program. And, yeah. and yeah, it was a, a perfect timing professionally, but also personally to come back, yeah. come back to my hometown and, 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 uh, uh, yeah, get going with 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 the work that we we've got to do here. You know, brilliant. And obviously, you know, there's massive massive culture shift and changes probably between the two environments. What yeah. were major things you took away from being at Man City in those couple of years, and mm. you know, I guess being around, you know, what might be a group of highly more experienced coaches. Yeah, uh, and. You're right to a point in regards to that 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 yeah. point you've just made. There are some there are some excellent coaches there, but there's also some young and by the way, still excellent, but some young inexperienced coaches that haven't been coaching that long at the club. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip of that, at Peterborough, you've got some really experienced coaches that have been around a long time and, and done a lot, and also some that are, are exactly the same are, are, um, are and and developing and and absolutely committed to, to progressing and learning themselves but I think and it's it's a question that obviously I've been back now I've been back at Peterborough three or four weeks so not a long time but I've been asked it plenty already uh, probably not a day's gone by that I haven't been asked it what's the difference what's the difference and what I would probably say is the, the biggest and, it, and it's a positive because it's something that can, can 100% be transferred 
and and will be it's the it's the expectation of and, and the standards of of what what you as a player but also what you as a coach and what you as a as an academy or a club or whatever the the, the standards that you you place on yourselves as coaches as staff but also of players and 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 money and facilities and, and resources, um, that that doesn't that doesn't alter your standards or your your uh, expectation that you can place on yourself and also the players you work with. That uh, you don't need um, world class facilities to develop players. You don't. Yeah. You don't. What you need is is top coaching. You need a, a real. You need good people. You need um, a good rapport with the players, but you need, as I say, you, you need to 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 develop a player and a person holistically, and that's not all about um, uh, that's not all about um, facilities or all about staff a uh, number of staff. It's great to have a lot of staff, but it's not great. It's only great if you have the right staff and the right. Um, the right mix, the right mix of people, yeah. and the right people in the right roles. So I, I, I had a great time and, and learned a hell of a lot at Man City. And there's a lot of stuff that isn't transferable. But for me, the the important things I totally believe are. Um, and there's a lot of, of really great work going on at Peter already that I've seen. Um, and the the job is to to try and build on that and, and get even better. Definitely. And you've got to just kind of build on that, then, you know, talking about the range of experienced uh, individuals in both environments. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, throughout your experience, you know, we're coaching the last 12, uh, I guess, what, 12, 13 12, years now? Yeah, 12 years, yeah. Yeah, within the academy game. You've probably seen a whole host of coaches and a whole host of positive, I guess, work being taken, taken undertaken within different environments. Yeah. What would be one of your biggest pet hates or bugbears if it if it was um, at all when it comes to coaching? I think when it comes to coaching particularly, I think it's probably I think it's around well two things really one the fact of what what I said earlier about it's not just going to get from A to B. Uh, you, you have an idea, right, this player is going to develop at this rate and he's going to get to this 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 place. Now, you have the two points. You have where you start and when you, where, you're at, where you end. But to predict, and anyone who thinks they can predict what the middle bit's going to be, for me, is lying. Yeah, I think what you, what you do is, and, and certainly the more experienced you get, you can have more of an idea for sure because you've seen you might have seen similarities in in a previous player whether that's from a from a technical tactical level or a physical level but also from a psychological or personality level definitely you 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 see players that I see players and and I have scenarios now and and the way so and I I I have a gauge of where I think they'll be or where I think they'll uh, which route they may go because I've seen it before however I'm not uh, there's no way I'm gonna 
um, completely say this is going to happen because I'd be stupid if, if that's what I thought because it doesn't happen like that. And also the rate at which this person is going to develop or the, the, the journey, there's so many here all the time, there's so many bumps in the road and there's so many different um, potential factors as to whether a player is successful or not successful. So I, I, any player, any coach, if you like, that says, well, this player, if someone gets written off, for example, uh, at the age of 13. Now, I know there are some players that, that you look at and go, look, they're just, it's very unlikely they're going to be able to achieve a certain level. And on the flip of that, you might get a player at 13 and go, do you know what? They're, they're going to um, be successful. They're going to make it. And some do, but very often some don't. We, we often hear about the players of uh, at 12 years of age or younger than that, when, they, when they've gone on to make it, I always knew he would make it. But how many times did that person who said that also say that about another player that didn't? You don't know because you never hear about it. So, yeah. so, so that, that's a little bugbear of mine. But probably alongside that, and, and the bigger one is, is people who are in a rush. People who are in a rush to, to, to climb the ladder or, or whether it's get go from academy or go from part-time academy to full-time or to go from uh, under 13s to under 16. There's no need to rush because every, every moment in whatever role you are in, you're going to be learning. There's opportunities to learn. There's opportunities to develop. There's opportunities to, to, to learn your craft and, and get better. And you're only ever, you're only ever going to be, getting better if you're focusing on what you're doing yes have an end goal i certainly have an end goal of course but not an end goal but i have things that i want to achieve in the future for sure but you have to fully fully focus on what you are doing to get better to then help you get to the next step just as the same with a player it's it's exactly the same as 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 the journey for a coach focus on what you're doing and do that to the best of your ability you'll get to where you want to get to eventually so they're probably the two biggest things that that uh that i, I would I'm not saying there's a bugbear in mind but i would i would advise young or aspiring coaches to just be mindful of definitely and you touched there on obviously having having some clear goals for yourself obviously you know be aware that you know your journey may go in a direction you might not have anticipated, but yeah. if you've got some things to kind of work towards, and that you know that's a start. You know, just the, just the kind of to kind of build on that. Then, you know, that's I guess some, you know, in some ways a bit of advice for people to kind of just take on board and think about. But you know, if if you had an opportunity to maybe turn back time and talk to yourself, getting into coaching, yeah, uh, age twenty three, setting up that summer camp, and you know, knowing what you know now, a few years down the line. What would you? What would be one message you'd want to give yourself starting out that journey? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? It's a great question, and I know you're going to ask me, but it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, the biggest thing I think I would say is to just, as I say, be yourself, be yourself, and and while you're going to learn from others which i have done and while you're gonna you're gonna 
grow. So certain things that you do and believe, or I did and believed at 23 in regards to coaching have altered slightly. I feel I've always done my best and always been at my best when I'm being myself and being, because ultimately that's all you can be. And if you're not, I think this is on, on so many different levels. Yeah. So from uh, working with players, when I've maybe veered away from or behaved in a certain way that I felt I should have behaved, that then players find you out because players know, and not just players, people know when someone's being authentic or not. And mm. I think, as I say, when I've been myself and I've, I've I've showed my personality and my character and put my spin on things, then I've been no question for me. One, I've enjoyed it the most, and 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 two, I've I've been I've probably been the most effective in regards to whether it's delivering a session or or talking to a group of players or even talking to an individual. Um, so that would probably be the biggest thing to yeah. to be myself and to to not not necessarily. Um, not li definitely listen and learn and, and take on board and, and grow in that way, which I, I feel I have done. But also, your trust your gut and, and as I say, be 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 yourself. Of whatever it is you're trying to do, but make yeah. sure it's your version of it, not somebody else's. Definitely, it's almost you know be the best version of yourself rather than a cheap imitation of someone else. Exactly right. Nobody can be anybody but themselves, and and. And no one, there's only one uh, version of me and there's also one version of, of somebody else. So you can learn 100%, you can learn off good and bad, but ultimately it's still got to be, it's got to look and feel like you. Definitely. I'm going to take this back to something so you, you said a couple of minutes ago, having that goal and having something kind of work towards, you know, as we start to wind down, now, you know, where do you, or although you don't necessarily have an end goal, where do you see yourself in five years from now? Then, what do you hope for? It's interesting because a couple of years ago, obviously, I, I had the opportunity to go and work for Manchester City, and I, I loved it. And, and one of the big reasons was I felt I wanted to. Well, I did. I wanted to work with with top young players, and I had the opportunity to do that. Um, I also wanted to work in the best environment. Now. It, it varies that I think that that is very, very subjective. What's the best environment for you? So for me, I, I, I talk about it again. I want to work in a, in a top in, continue to work in a fantastic environment, but also be a driver of that environment. Um, I would like in five years, to, I would certainly, whether it's going to be five years or not, or less or, or more, I don't know, but I, I definitely want to, to have a crack and if, if given the opportunity have a crack within a first team environment um, what, how that looks I don't know whether that's management or as a coach or uh, you, you never know what opportunities are going to mm. come up do you but I definitely feel like I would like the opportunity to work in a first team environment I feel that that it's I'm 35 now so I'd, I'd like to think I've got a few definitely got a few more years left Mm. But I certainly feel that if I didn't at least have have a go at it, I may look back and go, oh, "I wish I had." So that's something that's a goal of mine, um, and I want to work at the highest level. So, 
So whether that would uh, in first team environment in the prem, if if it is a first, if it's a first team environment, then I want to work in um, in the Premier League. Um, but that, as I say, five years from now, who knows? Who knows whether it might be ten years, it might be fifteen years, it might not happen. But for me, I, I always want to work. I want to work in the best environment, but I want to work. I want to maximise my own potential, and <laughs> and and I, I believe I have the the potential to to work at the highest level. Um, and what what I would also say is though, whatever level I I do. I do end up at or or where I'm even where I'm working now you can I, I believe in, in maximizing yourself every day so for me if I'm maximizing myself then I am working at the highest level the highest level of, of the version of me is the highest level for me so so no I, I, I want to I don't want to sound wishy-washy at all because of course I do want to work I want to work at the highest level and, and I feel that I would definitely want to work in, in a first team environment in some capacity yeah. i don't know how that looks but um no I, I feel like i've got many many more years ahead of me many more things to learn and, and, and just and, on that note yeah. then you know you talk there about still being relatively young and having many more years when you do eventually get to that back end of your career maybe mm. time to kind of call it a day what would you want your legacy to be you know um Legacy is one of those things where it's interesting because I look at what I would like to what I would like to to people to say about me as 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 a coach is someone that 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 gave their rule for for every player that he worked with so so to help them I speak about maxim, maximizing my own potential but one of my drivers one of the things I why I why I do the job I do and why I'm very passionate about it is because I, I firmly believe in trying to help young, young people, not just young people, but obviously in the way it is at the minute, the way I, the, the environment I work in, it is young people, but helping young people maximize themselves as well. So, so what I would like is for people to say any player that I've worked with or any, anybody I've come across that I've, I've tried to help, is that they could say, yeah, he he tried his absolute best to, to maximise, help me to maximise my potential. So, so yeah, from that point of view, that would be the big thing. That It's not a case of uh, leaving a legacy that I necessarily create X amount of, or help to create X amount of professional footballers mm-hmm. or X amount of players that go on to play in the Premier League or the Champions League or international honours. The big thing for me is that anybody that I would, I would, let's flip it on its head, I would hate and I would feel quite disappointed if people looked back over my career or I looked back on my career and, and there was a lot of players, that a lot of people that thought, well, I don't think he gave his all for me. That would be my yeah. biggest bugbear. So flipping it again... What I what my biggest thing legacy if you, you if you want to call it, people look and, and talk about me in, in a way of yeah he gave everything for me he gave everything he did everything he could to try and help me and that might be helping someone who hasn't quite made the grade but trying to help them 
in a new club uh, yeah. or develop or continue to develop themselves or it might be someone there's players that I still that I've worked with so the first players I were working with now are in approaching mm. um approaching mid twenties. So they could there's people that I still speak to uh, from from when I first started coaching. Yeah. And, and and many of them aren't in football now, but I'd like to think that when I see them they can ask me um things not just about football but about life. Yeah, because, life as well. Yeah, exactly right. And and that's something that I think yeah. you know certainly for me I've even got a few players like that myself in it. Yeah. That you know I've coached years back. You know I would almost say that we're almost friends now. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, just kind of build on that. Then, right? You know, you've talked there about wanting to have that impact on a player. You know, and I think that's something all coaches should aspire to have uh, as an ambition at the back end of their journeys. Mm. I believe, anyway. You know, and just to kind of build on that. If you know, if you had sixty seconds now to kind of leave the listeners with one golden nugget to take yeah. forward and apply in their journeys potentially, what would that be? So for me, make sure you're you you're committed. So you've got first and foremost to be committed. This is my opinion. You might disagree and, and listeners might disagree. You've got to love what you do. You've got to love it. I'm fortunate that I'm, I'm, I'm privileged that I'm in a, uh, in a job first and foremost in an industry that I love. I love football. I always have as long as I remember. And I'll be honest, while at times it's waned a little bit when I was having my struggles as a player, but I've, I've always loved the game and I feel I always will. So I'm, I'm fortunate. So you've got to find something you love. And if you find something you love, there is absolutely no excuse to not work your your maximum to achieve whatever it is within within that industry you want to achieve. So obviously we're talking about football. So if you want to be a coach, there's no excuse for you not working to to learn your craft, whether that's going and watching sessions, whether that's volunteering to, to deliver sessions, whether that's hopefully being in a position where you can you have someone who you might be able to to go and as I say go and watch and go and pick their brains and go and listen and go and learn learn from uh, look at your yourself and what you do and and reflect on decisions you make or coaching sessions you deliver um, just just have a passion find that passion and and if your passion obviously we're, we're a football podcast and, and coaches if your passion is coaching and that's your love there is no excuse to to not throw absolutely everything at it um and even if it is a voluntary basis for a number of years as as i say i um i don't know a coach that hasn't done that um that hasn't worked their way up in some capacity so uh go and God, just spend the hours, but spend quality hours working hard and just honing your your skills and, and just making sure whatever you do, you try, you at least attempt it to be your best. It won't always go well, but at least you're going into it knowing that right, you've done all you can. Definitely. And just on a final note, uh, Ryan, you know, if any of our listeners did want to get in touch or to kind of, you know, ask further questions regarding today's conversation or just yeah. anything really, is there any more they can get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, you've got my Twitter is at Ryan Semps. So very easy to, to remember that that's probably the best way I'm, I'm on that all the time. Um, anyone wants to get in touch, I've got a number of coaches on there. Um, I'm, I'm one of these people, I'm not, I'm not massively, uh, I look at it a lot. I'm not massively uh, vocal on it. I'm uh, only on things that, that obviously I feel are relevant to me. 
Um, I'm not just going to comment on stuff for the sake of it. But what one thing I am, anyone who messages me in regards to 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 something, uh, any kind of advice, I'm I'm certainly um, more than happy to 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 talk on uh, on that level because I think it's important. As I say, I go back to it in terms of what I want to achieve and what I get why I get up in the mornings to try and help others maximise themselves. Uh, that's players, but that goes for coaches or or anyone as well. That's my that's my driver uh, professionally for sure. So no, I'm more than happy to chat. Fantastic. And look, Ryan, I want to just start off by saying it's been a very insightful conversation, certainly for me, and I'm sure it will for our listeners. I want to thank you again for your time this evening. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Now I've enjoyed it. It took a while to get us uh, get us on the same page, hasn't it? But uh, in regards to to, to uh, scheduling the the chat but it's been fantastic and um anyone who's, who's listening to this i hope you enjoy and all the very very best I, I, I mean that sincerely well there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of you can tag us in those mentions as well on instagram at the coaches network or on twitter at the coaches net We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.